Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. Uh, Royce, thank you for sharing that wonderful testimony this morning. Uh, this morning, I want to take uh, just a few minutes and to share with us. I asked you to get a bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, inside your bulletin, if you open it up, it says, Why are we here? We recite this every Sunday at the end of our service. To my knowledge, uh, I think every Sunday that I've been here, we've done this. And this is called our statement or mission statement. Uh, I assume that most of us probably have it memorized, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, in your bulletin, it says, why are we here? We, we're here, we exist to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's considered our mission statement. And uh, I'm not quite sure when the Lord blessed you with this statement. Uh, many, I guess, some years ago, going back all the way, I guess, back to Brother Bruce, from what I understand. Uh, and I want to say that it's a wonderful statement, very biblical statement, and I want to walk us through some of these things this morning, just kind of refresh all of us on why we do what we do, why are we here, why do we exist. This, the, the mission statement, it seems very straightforward. It says we exist to glorify God. Very simply straightforward. Uh, and so if you're, if you're making notes, if you take notes, uh, here, here's, here's, here's what I want you to write down. We exist to display and to declare the glory of God. Very simply, to display and to declare the glory of God. I've got a couple scripture passages here. You can write those down. I want to read uh, out of Psalm 96. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations or the people. His marvelous deeds among all the people. For great is the Lord and worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all other gods. And he goes on through that Psalm 96 to declare, to display, to sing, to proclaim the glory of God. In Romans chapter 16, let me read this as well. This is going to be a little Bible drill time for some of y'all remember that in your earlier days. Bible drill, Romans chapter 16. I'm listening. I hear some of them pages turning out there. There we go. I know y'all got that digital Bible. I got it. Y'all got already there. All right. Open your Bibles. Romans chapter 16, verse 25 through 27. The scripture says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and, and, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey Him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul kind of summarizes, ends that book of what we call the letter to, to, Rome, to the Romans, uh, to Rome there, the church in Rome, uh, about to God be the glory forever. The Hebrew word for glorious kabod, and it literally in the root of that means something that is weighty. And I don't know if you, if you think about that, the presence of God, the, the, uh, being weight or, or the, uh, the hovering, kind of sensing, uh, realizing it. There's an emphasis in the Old Testament about 
becoming aware of the presence or the glory of God. Now, we saw this in several uh, passages um, when Solomon dedicates the temple, uh, when Moses has to have conversation with God, there's this weight, there's this reality of his presence. Uh, um, in other words, they knew that he was in the presence of God because they could see the radiance on his face. Uh, God's presence made, him, made itself known to the nation of Israel uh, by fire, by cloud, and he made himself known. And so the glory of God, and, and in, in a sense, this word uh, means to recognize, to be aware of the, the incredible presence of God before us. And he makes himself known. And it kind of gives in, in the ind indication of the, its weight. It's something that you could uh, um, experience or realize in that moment. I mean, throughout the Old Testament, uh, I mean, again, Isaiah 42, give glory to God. is to acknowledge his honor and to praise him. Uh, God states in Isaiah that he will not share his glory with no one else. And as a church, uh, we acknowledge that. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he's doing amongst us even so today. In the New Testament, when we come to the New Testament, the word is doxa. It's, it's, it, it literally is a Greek word that, that kind of jumps on the same understanding of the Hebrew word glory. It means to give honor to. It means to recognize or to come before the Lord. The, the stress is on seeing or being aware of God's divine presence. To, to be aware of that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the scripture says, And we, Paul saying, when we, with unveiled faces, all reflect or contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know, I can't help but the song, I don't remember the name of the song we just sang, talking about the, the sins of those chains are broken under the weight of his glory. Uh, I, it took me back this week. Um, I had the joy of, I don't know how many of you have gone to the Grace Place over here. Uh, you know, they take up a whole wing over here, I guess what used to be the school. And on Thursday, I had the joy of just going over there and uh, getting with Jason Light, who's the director, pastor at Eastern Valley. And just, I mean, for about an hour, hour and a half, just seeing how the Lord worked. I mean, there's probably 15 to 20 volunteers over there. They saw, I think, on that day from 10 to 1, around 20 families, which equates to maybe 80 to 100 to 100, a little more than 100 people that were impacted through that ministry. I mean, it's a great helps ministry, providing food clothing, counseling, sharing the gospel. I mean, it was just incredible. Church of people from all, it was beautiful. I mean, just, a, just wonderful. And we, I mean, as a fellowship, I know some of you serve over there. We give uh, generously. We help support it monthly. But it was just as your path. I mean, it was beautiful, honestly. And, and who knows how the Lord may lead us to be more involved. But Jason and I were um, just having a conversation. Now, he's a little bit younger than I am. And, uh, and in his testimony, he began to share with me. Now, some of y'all might remember years ago the uh, undivided services that happened, uh, anyway, to the western side of town. I mean, you can go as far as Tuscaloosa County, all the way to as far as you want to go. I mean, churches would gather once a month on Sunday night, a lot of students, teenagers, but it turned into a whole bunch of folks that would gather up all over. Anyway, out of that, out of years of gathering and praying, the Lord led about 20, 25 youth pastors and ministers uh, to gather at uh, Canaan Baptist Church downtown. I don't know if you've been to be downtown Bessemer at Canaan Baptist down there. Pastor Turner was the pastor at the time. Doug Cadell was a youth pastor. He's now the pastor. I don't know if you know Doug. He was a teacher a long time at McAdory High School. 
Uh, but on that Friday night, we were going to gather on Friday night, Saturday and Sunday night. And on that Friday night, I remember old Kevin Blackwell. Some of y'all might know him. Uh, he's down there at the Station Church now. But anyway, he uh, preached on Psalm 51. And Jason was just telling me. I mean, he was just rolling into his little testimony of how the Lord worked in his life. And he said it was that Friday night in that, that service at that church on Friday night that God just got hold of his heart. That's the way he said it. He said it wasn't even what Kevin preached. I don't even remember what Kevin preached. I mean, you can tell him that. I mean, uh, but, um, you know, that's how it is with most preachers. You don't remember what happened. But, I mean, but the God showed up and revealed himself and made himself known. I would say this. He was glorified. He was made known. The manifested presence of God showed up on that Friday night. Even before, even before Kevin began to preach, as he began to just read Psalm 51, God just moved. I mean, it was, it was so obvious and evident. It took all of us by surprise. I mean, you would think we wouldn't be surprised. You're praying for and it's more experience God and know him personally. But then God shows up, and it was alarming. And it was so in such a way that, I mean, people began to just rush the altar and repent of their sin. And it was, I mean, just, I mean, I mean, adults, students, everything, people throwing things out of their pocket, laying it on the altar, crying out, confessing unto the Lord. And Jason said he doesn't remember anything else that happens that night. Because when he got to the altar, he just fell on his face before a holy God who made himself known, and God radically changed his life that night. And I mean, just a beautiful, but I mean, but I, but, so I'm thinking about the weight of his glory, the weightiness of God, how he shows up and shows out. God be glorified. God be lifted up. God be magnified. I hope, I hope God show up here. That's what I pray every Sunday, every time we gather, being on Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. God show up. God do a work. I'll be honest, it's not some preacher that's going to preach or something like this, but when God gets hold of our heart and changes our heart, that's when life change begins to happen. Transformation is done by an encounter with a holy God and a real God and a personal God. Now I'm talking, and I'm not talking about for salvation. Yes, I'm to salvation. But I'm talking about the children of God in the house this morning, walking in the awareness and the presence of Almighty God. And that's what he means by God's glory. This word, we exist. We exist to glorify God. I could probably just put a period at the end of that. If that was our chief aim in life, that's enough. If we woke up every single day of our life before we did anything, got down on our face before the Lord and said, God, today be glorified in my heart, my mind, my life, my actions, my reactions, the words that come out, everything be glorified. We'd be, we'd be doing so much better as a people of God. That'd be enough. It really would. That really is our chief aim, to bring glory and honor to God. Um. I love, I love what MacArthur comments on this growing in the glory of God. I mean, and, and, and we're going to get to that in just a moment, I promise you, how to display and declare God's glory. But he makes this statement. He says, the Father, you know, Jesus made this statement in John 15, 8. My Father is glorified by this. By what? How is God glorified? That you bear much fruit. Now think about that just for a moment. God is glorified when I'm growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I'm growing fruit. When there's something coming out of me that gives evidence that I'm really His. And I'm following His will and His plan and His purposes. In fact, He says that Jesus says this. When God, 
bears fruit. When you're bearing fruit for the glory of God, you're proving to the world around you that you're really mine. How do they know that I'm really a Christian? How do they know? You know, uh, the book that came out, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, is talking about Christ, but I'm wondering about us. If I was on trial today before a judge giving an account that I'm a Christian loving Jesus with all my heart, would there be enough evidence to convict me that, I'm on, that, I, that I love him? Je- Jesus said it this way, you bring glory to God when you bear fruit. It shows that you're really his. In fact, the scripture goes on, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, one of my favorite verses. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, that kind of sums it up right there, doesn't it? Whatever you do, do it all, y'all know this, for the glory of God. That's right. In other words, my chief aim in life, if you're a carpenter, if you're a businessman, if you're working at Mercedes, if you're a marketing guru downtown Birmingham, doesn't matter who we are, where we are, whatever we're doing, we do it all for the glory of God. And when that's our chief aim, God begins to work in our heart and our life. It's amazing. It's it's amazing what God will do through ordinary people committed to honoring and bringing glory to Him. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. My hope is that we, you, me and I, us personally here at Flint Hill will experience God's glory, the manifested presence of, of Him. So why? Not for our sake, but for His sake, for His glory, so that we can bear fruit, much fruit, for His glory in the world in which we live. People need to see Jesus in me and you. I mean, pure and simple. That is our calling in this world in which we live. To bring glory to God. So when we talk about His glory, how do we do this? How do we display, here we go, and declare the glory of God? I'm glad you asked this question because it's a great question to ask, right? I mean, we read this statement. Why are we here? We're here to glorify God. I get that. But then, but then there's that word, by, by means of what? Gathering, growing, giving, and going. So I'm going to break it down for you. Uh, four values here. I mean, if you're making notes, you can write these down. One is to gather. To gather. In other words, how do we, bring, how do we display and declare the glory of God? I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, right here, what we have chosen to do today, to come together, to gather in this place, brings glory to our Heavenly Father. Let me say it this way. God's people gather in God's house. We really do. Why do you gather up? Be it 9 o'clock, 10.30, 11.30, 1 a.m., doesn't matter, midnight praise back when I was in college. Why would people gather? For one reason, to bring glory to God. And what does that mean? To display His glory means we're telling a lost world all around us today, God has called me out of darkness into life, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go worship Him. And praise his holy name. As the psalmist said, I'm going to declare, I'm going to declare, I'm going to declare the praises unto the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Do not forsake the gathering together of God's people, but to spur us on, to encourage us, one another, one another in the Lord. Uh, let, let, let me just say to you, as we gather here, even so today, and, and that's a core value, to gather. I mean, no doubt about it. Listen. It's important to gather, whether it's on Sunday morning, Sunday night, during the weekday, if it's in a life group, small group, prayer group, 
We're gathering. We're a gathering kind of people. We need to gather. But as we gather, when we gather, that's why on Wednesdays we're going to call it wow. We're going to worship on Wednesday. Why? Because He's worthy to be praised. If it's 10, 20, or 30, or 300 that gather, doesn't matter the number. We are gathering for the purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus, to worship the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, we see a beautiful presentation of characteristics of the early church. They were in awe. They were praising the Lord and enjoying favor with God and people. Why? Because their eyes weren't on one another, but on the Lord. And so when they gathered in together, they worshiped. In a pure and simple way, listen, listen, folks. When we gather, we need to worship. Worship. Come into the house of the Lord Bring your heart, bring your life, bring all that you are unto the Lord. Lay it at His altar and lift high the holy name of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist had it right. He must become greater and I must become less. That's worship. When I can lift high His holy name. But make no mistake, we're called to gather. That's a core value. How do we display and declare the glory of God? We're going to gather. Second, we're going to grow. Grow. God's people grow. What do I mean? Disciples of Christ develop in Christ. You don't have to make yourself grow. Listen, the truth is when God works inside of us, when he changes your heart, when he, the, the, the key word theologically, when you have been regenerated, I mean, there's a change, there's a new life in you. Your new life wants to grow. In fact, I would tell you, your new life wants to be like Christ. Me made manifest. There's a hunger and a thirst that God births inside of us when we're truly his. He wants us to know fully all that we have in Christ. I go back to the book of Ephesians. To be aware, to be empowered by this incredible blessings, heavenly blessings that have been poured out on us in Christ. May the Holy Spirit of God reign and rule in our hearts and our lives. That's growing and developing in Christ. I, I assume that some of y'all can probably testify this morning. Uh, I, I, probably, I know there is. There are some folks in here who have been, been in this church since they were nine months in the womb. Probably. Right? And, and you were birthed into existence, right? That baby has to grow. I mean, I mean baby, babies grow. They don't sit there the same, and, and, and they don't feed themselves usually. Right? What do they do? They let you know I'm hungry. How do they? How, who told the baby to cry when they're hungry? I didn't tell mine, but my, my boy, I'm looking, my boy will cry like the best of them, right? Emery's not here. I can talk about her. She'd eat anything in the house and then some. I couldn't feed her enough. I'm like, keep shoving it in. Who, who made her that way? Nobody. God did. When she was birthed into existence, God, no one had to say to you, are you hungry? She would just let me know when she was. The same thing when you're birthed from above. When God comes down and changes your heart, my heart, some, someone had to say to you, man, you need to grow. Oh, there's something inside of me now that wants to be like Christ, that wants to gather into worship. And when I do, God does a wonderful thing in the hearts of God's people. He grows us. We develop in Christ. How do we do this? There's so many different ways. We talk about gathering for worship. Next Sunday night, we're going to gather for praise and prayer. There's life groups, ladies' life groups, other life all kinds of opportunities to gather in the house of the Lord. Royce has already shared with you how important the Word of God is. I don't have time this morning, but I mean how critical this is to take in to be developing and growing in Christ. The third thing is this. How do we display and declare the glory of God? We gather, we grow, 
but we also give. We give. Royce did a beautiful job sharing a little testimony this morning, not just about giving financially, but, but giving uh, wholeheartedly out of his whole life. And here's what I'm going to say. The third thing is this. Uh, when we give, saved people serve people. That's what happens, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me turn there real quick. Let me share this with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 7. We quote this. I think Royce has already shared some of this already. But he talks about, uh, in, in, in the church in Corinth, about encouraging generosity. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. There was great persecution, great poverty going on, great trouble and struggles going on. But it, it, here it is. For I testify, this is Paul, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They're taking an offering back to Jerusalem. That's what they're doing. And they did not do it as we thought, as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Praise God. And then, in, then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also in completion this act of grace on your part. Talking about the church now in Corinth. And here it is, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faithfulness, in your speech, in your knowledge, in your complete earnestness, and in your love for us, also excel in this grace of giving. So in other words, God's people, saved people, serve people. They give themselves, they give earnestly, they give joyfully, they give cheerfully, they give wholeheartedly. Not just out of their pocketbook, but man, my life, my Lord called me to serve Him. To give my life in, in honor of Him. Each of us here today has a place and a responsibility before God to offer our lives as living sacrifices. Say, God, do with me what you want, however you want. Who am I to dictate how God can use me or do for me? Uh, you know, it's, and I, look, I love those uh, gift assessments. You know, some of y'all probably have taken some of those. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I'll never forget one time somebody goes, Ooh, I found my gift now. I know my gift. I can serve the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. Except this one thing. God may call you to do something that has nothing to do with your gift. Put you in your awkwardness state. You're like, oh no, i got to share the gospel. Oh no, you want me to do what? Yes, it wouldn't be the first time. It'd be like Peter getting out of the boat. If we're really open, if we really lay our lives down, we want to give ourselves, not with strings attached. God, take me, use me for your glory. The last one is this, not just to give, but to go. To go. He talks about gathering, growing, giving, and going. Where are we going? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a great question. I don't know if y'all are asking that. Where are we going, church? You know, I'll make this statement. I think Brother Bruce came up with this. Found people, find people. I'm going to say it this way. If you know Jesus, you want to make him known. It's pure and simple. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be some guru. Listen, it's pure and simple. If you know Jesus, if Jesus has done a work in you, you're going to figure out a way to make it known to others. 
Be intentional. And let me remind you, God's given us the command to go. He says in Matthew 28, 18, he says, And Jesus came to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, Therefore, go. Y'all have heard this so much, you understand what I'm talking about. It's not passive, it is intentional, it's present, ongoing. That means as you go, as you live your life, keep on going. What are we going to do? Make disciples. Make disciples. Well, how do we do that? we got to baptize them. That means you got to share the gospel with them, lead people to Jesus Christ. Not only that, but you're going to teach them everything uh, to obey everything that I've commanded you. In other words, you're going to take this word of God and walk people by the hand and say, here's how we grow in Christ. So as we go, God's given us a great purpose in going. The fulfillment of His mission on earth. And it's for all of us, for all people. I talk about children's ministry, student ministry, adult ministry. We all have a responsibility before God to go, what? In the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've often thought, church, what is it like to go in the power of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? What does it mean to, so, to, to, so, to know so intimately the personal presence of Almighty God abiding in us that we would walk, talk, live in His power and not my own? What would that look like in our life today if I lived my life in the power of God's Holy Spirit today? What would I do differently? How would I live differently walking and knowing that power? Friend, that's our calling. That's our statement. That's our mission. This is what God's inviting us to do, calling us to do. Let me say it that way. Gavin, come on up here if you will. Worship team, come on up. So we just walked through real quickly, real quickly, our mission statement. Our mission statement. My hope is right now, we're about to take a moment, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song of response. And my hope is this morning that you would just take a moment before the Lord and say, God, would you, Lord, remind me who you called me to be. God, you've placed us here at Flint Hill. You've called us to gather. God, you've called us here to, to worship you. Father, you've called us to grow and to develop, to be all that you've called us to be, to serve others, to give my life for your kingdom's work. God, you've called us all to go and to make disciples. And Lord, would you work in our heart right now, Father, as I, I just want to praise you this morning and ask God that you would just reveal to us, speak to our hearts, have your way in us this morning. God, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with me, church.